This is it. The putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budget, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow. All in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. 93% of surveyed businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite. And right now, through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Head to NetSuite.com slash C-Suite for special end-of-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Hello and welcome to Ascent Dental Radio, a program dedicated to the balance between the clinical aspect of healthcare and the business of healthcare. And now, here's your host, Dr. Kevin Coughlin. Welcome, this is Dr. Kevin Coughlin and you're listening to Ascent Dental Solutions with a focus on education, knowledge, training, and development. Before we begin, I want to give a special thanks to Mr. David Wolf and his team of podcast experts. Without their knowledge and expertise, these podcasts would be very difficult to produce week after week. I also want to give a special thanks to our sponsors, Vocal Dental Supply, Henry Schein, Patterson, and On Demand. We appreciate their effort and their support week after week. Our last podcast, I had the pleasure of interviewing a prostodontist from the Massachusetts area, Dr. Betty. His company, the Betty Dental Group, has taken a unique position and uh, perhaps has a little different spin on your typical MSO or DSOs, whether we refer to these as dental support organizations or managed support organizations or service organizations. Generally speaking, uh, I have found over the years that they either have a, a very poor connotation or a very good connotation. And in my own personal experience, I think the success ranges with the personality of the doctor that they're dealing with. But before we get into that, I'd like to bring back Dr. Betty in uh, the Betty Dental Group. Uh, Dr. Betty, thank you so much for joining us. I know on our last podcast, we talked specifically about your group and what made it stand out from other MSOs and DSOs that are popping up daily. But thank you again so much for joining tonight's podcast. Could you, with your expertise in business, and your approach to the dental profession. I know in dentistry, sales is sometimes a negative word, but my personal opinion, everybody is selling something. The key is is to sell value. And when you can sell value, you're really not selling. Uh, you're providing a service and you're providing care uh, that's needed. Uh, what's your uh, take and what's your recommendation and your background in the business part of dentistry? Well, um, for myself, I think it almost took a decade to realize that sales was not a dirty word. But however, for myself, once I had rolled up about five practices, I realized that I knew a heck of a lot about prosthetic dentistry, having been in it, uh, having getting board certified, teaching and practicing it. 
but I didn't really know very much about how to grow a successful group and manage people. So I pursued an executive education at a local business school here in Boston. Um, and that's, the, that's when the entire uh, thought process went um, on and the light bulb went off in my head that how we have to standardize certain procedures so that they're repeatable and, success, uh, and successful. Um, our sales process, I believe, is unique in the sense that most new patient experiences in most places that I've been to are where most patients come in through hygiene and they get a dental cleaning and x-rays and the dentist walks in and spends 20 to 30 minutes going over what they think they need and then come up with a treatment plan. As for ourselves, this new patient experiences is very different i wouldn't say so far as to say unique but certainly not very common none of our new patients get seen by a hygienist they always are seen by a doctor first and the first part of that process really is sitting with them in a consultation room and really trying to do what we call a preclinical or an emotional exam and this is really to understand where the person's coming from what their wants desires fears uh, and concerns or goals are. And I think in getting to understand a human being, you can then provide the services they need. And the second part of this process is in the same appointment is collecting all the information that is needed. That is a full dental chart, um, x-rays, uh, measuring their gums out, full mouth photography for everybody. And then once all this information is collected, we use photographs, radiographs, dental chartings, etc., to educate these people in which what we call is a co-diagnostic exam using emotional intelligence. And the intention of this is that if I were the patient and I was sitting across from you, I gain a very good understanding of what is going on for myself in my mouth through all the data that I can see on a large tele television screen. What I've noticed is that when people understand and then they can see for themselves as to what their oral health looks like, then the decision-making process becomes very easy because then they're not getting prodded into doing things they don't understand. And there may be discussions around finance at that point in time and the different options on going about treating the issues they have. And what becomes beautiful after this is usually there's a second appointment where people come back and the entire case gets reviewed. And the treatment plan that is given to them is a treatment plan that they choose for themselves rather than feel that they're being pressured into accepting. So I think though the new patient experience typically ends up being two visits for most patients, and I'd say for complicated cases or reconstructive cases, Sometimes patients come and see us three times before anything starts. But typically what ends up happening as a result is you end up doing a fair amount of more comprehensive dentistry that benefits the patient by creating value. It slows things down so that you're doing quadrant dentistry and the kind of dentistry everybody aspires to practice when they go to a Spears course or pursue postdoctoral education. And it also, in many ways, removes the barriers that most people think that patients have around monies or accepting larger treatment. Well, I can't tell you 
uh, how pleased I am to hear that. One, for the last 37 years, I've been a big believer that the new patient should first see the doctor. And it's nice to hear that my message is maybe getting through or other people agree. For some of our listeners who may have just tuned in, I I know a fair amount of dental professionals, and they must be thinking that if that dentist is taking 20 or 30 minutes, how are they compensated? And you alluded in our first podcast that not all, but most of your patient base is a fee-for-service base, and you've eliminated most of the uh, discount plans or fee schedule plans and have focused in really on uh, perhaps Delta Dental Altus and Blue Cross as uh, primary insurances. Uh, is that correct? That is correct. However, I would say that we also are a referral-based office. And the, the more I go along this process, the more all of us learn that we get a lot of referrals from other organizations such as Aspen Dental and other such places And a lot of these patients that come through accept large chunks of treatment. And my belief today is that I think it's not so much the insurances that really matter. It is patients really getting a good understanding of why they should do anything rather than not understanding the purpose behind the treatment that is being suggested. And I think communication plays a huge key um, in case acceptance. Um, The book that a friend of mine and uh, a coach who worked with me for almost a decade, who's written a a fantastic book on this subject, is called The Way of the Superior Dentist. And it is by an author by the name of Adrian Wilkins, who is a consultant. And he really has done a fantastic job in laying out this entire process in terms of from the emotional aspect to the clinical exam aspect, to the landmines that usually occur. And it's a good read for anybody who wants to practice comprehensive dentistry. And I would second that. I've written uh, seven books myself, all on the business of healthcare. And for some of our listeners, I'm sure what they're thinking and saying, Kevin, would you please ask Dr. Betty this? For those dentists that are part of the insurance base, that ability or luxury to determine a fee schedule, they're obligated, in my understanding by law, that once they're in that network, they have to charge the fee schedule that they're associated with. So I'm assuming that many of your colleagues or most of your colleagues are out of network, and that gives them the luxury and the freedom uh, to spend the time that's necessary to communicate. So if that dentist is in network, even though they may be the greatest communicator and they may have the most fantastic skills, at the end of that 30, 40, or 50 minutes, based on the typical fee schedule in Massachusetts, they'll be lucky if they get between $48 and $72 for that comprehensive exam. And I think we all know that that is uh, financial suicide for most offices, and they can't make those discrepancies in fees up because when they're doing their prosthetic treatment, their periodontal treatment, uh, those fees are fixed. 
Uh, it's been a personal uh, pet peeve of mine for many years, but many of the dentists that are listening, I assume, are in similar positions, and they'll have to make their own individual decisions of whether they want to gradually move away from those plans or understand how to manage uh, those plans so they don't consume their practice. Am I correct on that or incorrect? My thought process on on the exams and the diagnostic aspects and their compensation uh, when it relates to different insurance plans is a little different. But again, it may come from the fact that our participation with insurances are different. But oftentimes when new dentists join us uh, and we want to make sure we align philosophically, you know, it has been a concern for some that, boy, we are spending almost two to three hours between two appointments educating these patients. What if they do not accept anything? And again, like I said, at the end of the day, it basically is we meet the patients for where they are, listen to them and a comprehensive plan for one patient who are identical twins may be different for another based on what their wants, needs, desires from a time of, uh, from a perspective of finances or scheduling is. But I almost, my, my thought process on, on doing examinations and radiographs are if I had patients that I did not even get paid for where I could do diagnostic services, I personally think there's a huge upside in spending that time educating these people. But again, I just speak from my own experience. I'm sure everybody in the profession has a different point of view. Right. I think uh, your point of view is is extremely well taken, except when Mr. and Mrs. Smith accept your treatment plan, whether it's in 60 minutes or four hours, the upside is that the fee schedule for the treatment plan that you're recommending to Mr. and Mrs. Smith is the fee schedule that suits your organization. Whereas the dentist who's in network, after that two or three hour commitment, once the treatment is agreed upon, they're stuck with the fee schedule that I would say close to 95% of all dental plans other than maybe Altus uh, forces you to accept. Even Delta Dental, the dental plan for dentists by dentists has generally a fee schedule uh, that in my opinion uh, is inappropriate uh, for most dentists if they're going to provide comprehensive and complete care and spend the time that's necessary. And uh, I think the luxury and the advantage that you and your organization have is nurturing uh, these types of practice that have limited insurance and the insurance that they do have allows the dentist to predict and create a fee schedule uh, that's commensurate with the quality and time that's uh, put into the dental health of that patient. Am I correct on that assumption? Absolutely. When it comes down to compensation uh, based on on the changes that Delta has made of late has been a sticking point, not only in Mass. But I mean, definitely, I know in Massachusetts, it's, it's been a huge uproar amongst dentists. Um, but then again, the way I look at this, I think as time goes by, we will go down the medical route as to what happened to them is going to eventually happen to us. Um, but again, the way 
I still look at the winning formula from the way I perceive it. I'd rather, given no choice, either get out of these plans if you can uh, and are able to survive. But if not, I think even delivering care by spending time and getting patients to accept higher level of services and more comprehensive services that get delivered in a quadrant approach is more productive even at preset schedules rather than doing the one-off fillings or a crown or an extraction and not doing bulk treatment at one visit, which is the other thing that comprehensive dentistry provides us the ability to perform as long as the patients accept. I think uh, another thing subliminally, I, I think the dentist that's either forced or has just been beaten down for so long to do the single restoration or the immediate problem and avoid the comprehensive psychologically, mentally, uh, I think it wears on you as a professional. And I think you you lose the the desire, the drive, and the enjoyment that you get from the profession. So I think uh, you and your organization are are on the right track. What I like to say to uh, my team members is you want to always try to establish what I call the BLT. You want your patients, you want your team members to believe in you, you want them to like you, and you want them to trust you. And once you can establish that belief, like, and trust, I think doors will open up not only to your team members, uh, to your clinical associates, but to your entire organization. And in the two podcasts that I've done with you, Dr. Betty, I really believe that uh, you've hit on a very important topic. And it looks to me like your organization and the people associated with your organization are off to a great, great start. I can't thank you enough for taking the time uh, and sharing your expertise. Could you just tell uh, our listeners how they could reach you if they wanted to talk to you in person, in private, if they were interested in getting a better look at your organization because they're thinking about joining a particular group that may have more of a focus on the quality of care and the type of treatment for our patients than perhaps some other organizations out there that may have a different viewpoint? Sure, we'd, we'd be happy and would love to hear from anybody who'd like to contact us. Corporate website is called bedidentalgroup.com. That is B-E-D-I dentalgroup.com. Or we can be emailed at transitions at bedidentalgroup.com. Also, I'm personally on LinkedIn, so they can connect with me there as Abhay, A-B-H-A-Y, Bedi, B-E-D-I. Um, I'm always delighted to hear from fellow doctors. So if this sounds interesting, I would love to carry on a conversation. And once again, Dr. Coughlin, thank you so much for having me on your show. It's been my pleasure, Dr. Betty. Thank you. My name is Dr. Kevin Coughlin. You've been listening to Ascent Dental Solutions with a focus on education, training, development, and knowledge. At this particular point, I want to say thanks again to our listeners. I really appreciate the feedback, and I hope you enjoy these podcasts. I want to thank our sponsors, Mr. David Wolf and his expert team of podcast producers. I want to thank Patterson Dental, uh, Henry Shine Dental, Vocal Dental Supply Company, and On Demand. Without their support, these podcasts would be very difficult to perform on a weekly basis. Thanks again for listening. And Dr. Betty, thank you for taking the time to speak to our audience today. Thanks again and have a great night. I look forward to talking to you in the near future. 
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.